and welcome to AIO Audio News. Today I have a very special guest here with me today, Lee Asim. Welcome back to the podcast, Lee. It's been a long time. Thank you, Michael. How are you? I am doing great. Great. It's good. It's awesome to have you back. I mean, it's 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 been weird just doing taking over this podcast from you, you know, like back when you left. When was it? Yeah. Was it last yeah, year? you had to go and take it from me. I know. I know. But I feel so bad about it. But hey, how, how's life been going? You know, life, it's been it's been good. Good. That's good, I guess, (laughs) as much as non-existent life can be. But anyway, exactly. today we are going to be covering the next episode in the post-Blaggard Saga, 446B, The Seven Deadly Dwarves. I have been so ready for this. Right. This one is written by Jim Ware, directed by Phil Lawler, sound designed by Rob Jorgensen. This is a split episode. So thoughts on the split episodes in general? Um, You know, they were kind of weird, but... Sometimes good, you know, like uh-huh. they don't necessarily follow the same theme, and that's that's a little jarring when you're used to like uh, analyzing full twenty five minutes of themes. But it's okay; mm-hmm. they're they're not meant to follow the same thing. They're just shorter episodes, which when they were training the new writers was kind of a really good solution. I feel to mm-hmm. try to train new writers to do bigger episodes, and so it's not a bad thing. Not necessarily a good thing. Sometimes it's fun because they're just bite-sized. Like, sometimes it's terrible because they're just bad. (laughs) I think that it's easy to pick on them because they're so short and because they're directed at, clearly, a younger audience. Um, And there are some episodes that get a lot of ire from the Odyssey fan base because they they didn't tie into any other storylines. They didn't have good development or, or fleshing out. And then other ones, like this one, are actually fun. They're not awesome, but... They're still fun. At least I would I would say this one's okay. Yes. This is yes, probably one I of my with you. one of my favorite of the split episodes. The Virtual Kid is probably my favorite split episode. Um huh, okay. Yeah, interesting. But anyway, you ready to just jump into this? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, beginning of the episode, there's a bookend and the beginning and the end with Bethany and her family coming back from Sunday school. And at the very beginning of the story, they're asking Bethany, Hey, how was Sunday school? And she's already confusing the story with the seven <laughs> deadly dwarves. <laughs> she's already there. I know. She's gone. <laughs> And they're like, don't you mean the seven deadly sins? And Aubrey's like, probably not. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So she actually yeah. met the seven deadly dwarves? That's funny. Apparently. Mm-hmm. And what question I have is, do they actually teach the seven deadly sins in Sunday school? Like, at her I age? I don't know. That's, that was something that, like, I, at one point, I was talking about this episode with one of my hallmates. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, wait a minute. This doesn't make any sense. Seven deadly sins aren't even in the Bible. That's not a thing. Yeah. So... Isn't that like is that church teaching? That's the seven deadly sins. No, I don't think so. What like is it, I think sometimes churches will teach it, but I don't know that it's ever taught, or definitely shouldn't be taught as a <laughs> these are the seven deadly definitely <laughs> deadly sins or whatever like that. Right, that's not in the Bible. It's not there. So they are. They are. I don't serious. know why. I think it might be Catholic origin, maybe possibly that's why i'm here like i think they're more here just as a gimmick rather than a lesson because we don't even get Uh like why are these sins deadly they're just sins and the ending is more just like oh love covers a multitude of sins which you know that that's fine uh but i would have i would if this is the fault of the split episode you don't have a lot of time to to develop Mm -hmm. what the seven deadly sins are and it's also like if you walk away from this episode thinking about okay so they're what pride covetousness gluttony lust anger envy and sloth like i have these written down my notes because they're mentioned in the episode so i learned something yeah yeah, and they're definitely, like, very key things to focus on. Mm. And I think I'm glad that if Odyssey was ever going to dedicate time to talking about Seven Deadly Sins, they did it in, like, 
an eight minute episode where they didn't pay a huge amount of attention to it or draw like, okay, guys, we have to memorize all these deadly sins <laughs> and they matter that much. But it's it's not like that, you know? Yeah. It's just kind of a fun one off thing. And they're not like teaching this doctrine that you've got to remember these sins so you don't mess up or yeah, something. They're like not that. really taking. As if these are the only ones. They're not really taken individually. It's just that they're all lumped together like these sins collectively avoid them. And then, of course, Sloth is the one that gets uh, singled out for the most jokes. Yeah. Because it's always put at the end. Um, <laughs> and they are in a rainforest, so it's perfect. Which doesn't, yeah. Which well, oh, maybe that's why the setting is a rainforest because of because of that, just because of sloth. I imagine Jim Weir going through this. He was like, "What can I do? Oh, that would be cool. Oh, that would be cool." <laughs> and unlike Bethany's flood, the random stuff happens in this episode. But I'll talk about it. I'll get into it. That even though there's random stuff that happens, um, there's still it, like it a cohesive works. plot. Yeah, it's not it just random stuff well. happens in that further. Like, they randomly strike an iceberg, and then they all die at the end. That's yes. No, it actually has plot progression and a three-act structure, which I found really interesting. Um, yes, I had very definite good thoughts about this episode. Yeah, 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 same thing, same here. So then we get in kind of Wizard of Oz-style, um, like, storytelling, where you have the different plot points that will be relevant in the dream being brought up. Jared DeWitt's bugging equipment. Which oh, yeah. from Blind Girl's Bluff um, uh-huh. that he gave to what did uh, so this was after Jared had left and so yes. the point of that episode was that what Aubrey was using what's her name oh um it was Lisa the blind girl yeah yeah Lisa yeah she she was using her as a, a gimmick and stuff and she yep. found it at the Electric Palace and uh, Ben Shepard says I don't know take it back to the hardware store hardware store I guess Electric palace counts as a hardware store <laughs> or maybe he just didn't know where she got it that makes sense well then the hardware store becomes a, a a significant plot point here so you think that like they could have dropped in electric palace instead and that would have been a a, a lot funnier like having walker edmiston as the voice instead of Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been interesting i don't know i think though that they did a really good job choosing the voice here though because it makes me laugh yeah. whenever i think of those scenes like <laughs> one for the price of two like, don't think about just it just buy <laughs> Yeah, like Will- that lives in my head. <laughs> yeah, Will Ryan is is uh like he's all over the place in albums thirty three and thirty four. He's like in every episode, I think. Um, just because I've got to make up for my time that I wasn't here. Well, he will be gone in the next album. That's why he's doing so much right now. Oh, right. Never mind. I got to make up for the time that I won't be here. Right. <laughs> exactly. And so then, uh, Ellen is like, I need this the mirror hung in the hallway and. Um, Ben's like, I need to get the, the stepladder too. I wonder where it is. She's like, oh, it's in the closet, which you also need to clean out. So she's giving him lists of things to do. I'm like, yeah, it's yep. Sunday. What? Okay, okay, sure, I guess. Um, <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so then. Gotta, gotta leave that Sunday for rest. Yeah, and, house, and housework, right? I mean, I usually get my right, clothes of course, yeah. on, on Sundays when I just don't have anything else to do after yeah. church. Uh, but anyway, uh, Bethany's like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep. And so. Uh, Aubrey says uh, what something Sleeping Beauty as she as she drifts uh, off. Sleep well, Sleeping Beauty, Sleeping Beauty. And sleep then they well. have the, Bethany's yawn again, randomly echoing. <laughs> like, it's it's for some reason I don't know why the sound of the sound design and editing is pretty good here, but for some reason her mm. yawn is just really really loud. In that. Well, like, see, as the heart when I was a kid, ahead. when I was a kid, I really liked this actually because yeah. when she yawns and it like has this echo effect. It perfectly translated to me that she was, like, yawning. She falls asleep pretty much immediately, and then it's like she's falling into a dream. Oh! Yeah, that's and good. that's what I imagined, was that she's, like, she falls asleep, and then she's falling kind of like in some cartoon where, you know, you're, like, falling through a spiral sort of... Or, like, Actually, Alice falling down like the rabbit Wizard hole. Wizard of Oz. Oh. Yeah. 
with, with the house coming down on the camera, right? Exactly. Also, a uh, bit of trivia for that. The way they filmed that, I don't know if you knew this, but they they actually took a model of the house, turned it upside down, put the camera facing downward, then dropped the house away from the camera. That's how they filmed the house falling toward the camera. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was cool. Anyway, moving on to this episode. So I, one thing I wanted to point out is it's 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 kind of funny that Jared Dwight was brought up in the conversation. He's not even in this episode, but he gets name dropped so many times. D. White, Snow D. White, all throughout the episode. Like, he's not even in this episode. Poor guy. <laughs> he should have been here. <laughs> he's shipped off to the witness protection program, and then they start dreaming about you <laughs> without realizing it. <laughs> uh, but the narrator comes in, and... Who is he voiced by? I don't have the I don't have the voices up for this one. Actually, I do. Narrator is Corey Burton. Oh, okay, that's cool. Okay. I didn't I didn't pick up on that. Nice. Uh, but anyway, yeah, he's he's saying Snow Do White, and then Bethany's like Snow Do White. Hey, it's your dream. I'm just the narrator. <laughs> Which here's the thing. I love the narration in this. Recently, I feel like narration in a few club episodes. <clears throat> simple reminder has been very heavy. We don't need uh, to mention uh, names, but yes. 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 Um, <laughs> it's sort it? of, yeah. it's, they're very self-aware. There's a narrator, and he's going to get interrupted by his own characters a lot, or whatever, uh, might happen. And it's it's just like the narration distracts from the story that's trying to be told. Mm-hmm. And I love this episode because there's one joke right at the beginning <laughs> where he's like, it's your dream. I'm just the narrator. So stop oh, interrupting me. It's funny because it's funny. They never interrupt him again. Yeah, <laughs> and he's he's actually legitimately funny. He has a line later on where uh, he says, "After a while, she came to a cottage cheese house." Cheese house. <laughs> yes. His pause right there is perfect. Again, Corey Burton is fantastic, fantastic yes. actor. And yeah. then I love later they're like right after, but after they'd finished the second polka, <laughs> yeah, like so so disdainfully. <laughs> So back to the beginning of the narration, he says that Snow White lived at the hardware store, which, oh, okay. It's not supposed to make sense, but okay. Okay. And her it's father. It's dream. <laughs> I'm just the narrator. <laughs> her father, who was the king, also known as the good stepladder father, which just every reference <laughs> to before the dream is spot on. I listened to Bethany's Flood before this, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and there are no references to before the dream, right? Well, well, there's uh, some, oh, a few, like, a few. There's the cats and dogs, and, and Christ- there's like, the pinta, and El like Nino. The, the, the Columbus ships and, and stuff. Yeah. But it all sort of feels a little more like they made the story before, like like the surrounding events, before to fit the dream, not necessarily the other way around. Whereas here, it's like... They're going in tandem. It right. and They go in tandem, and... They feel so, just so genuine, and it seems normal for us to have a conversation where, like, oh, can you get the stepladder out? And somehow that translates to stepfather, and that's great. Yeah. Whereas in the other one, like, Bethany's just whining about cats and dogs <laughs> half the time. <laughs> and the moral is, like, you'll get a cat and dog or a cat or a dog if you trust and obey, maybe. And she's like, yay. <sighs> Prosperity gospel, anyone? <laughs> no um but yeah yeah i really I, I feel that here um in terms of like i don't know i want i kind of want to bring out a lesson at the end or like a so what what have we, we learned today or anything so would we have the, uh, oh uh, okay, i dropped yeah. something sorry don't do that don't do that um uh but at the beginning when they're introducing the good stepladder father he's which is 
Ben, uh, same voice, yeah. jellyfish. Uh, he's like, she's my little tootsie wootsie, and she's like, mutual, I'm sure. <laughs> it's such a good, it's such a good deadpan. <laughs> and then they talk about her cousin Jared, which Jared away, and he left. Uh, and he what? He took his bugging equipment with with him. And he left a talking mirror in the place of the bugging equipment, which I'm guessing <gasps> it was just hanging up on the wall. But what? but like a camera? Is Bethany oh, a prophet? Wait, wait. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it's more it's more likely that it's just whatever the the earpieces were from Blind Girl's Bluff. They're just hanging on a uh like a, a hanger on the wall or something. I don't Instead know. Of, Jared's dad had a camera in his office maybe, on the wall. I mean, they mm, and they left it to go somewhere else. And he kept his buggy equipment because he had like the hole in the floor with the cool stuff in it. And you know, the mirror was kind of like I don't know, mind controlling Snow Dwight to leave. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Speaking of Theory which... Theory confirmed. Bethany's a prophet. <laughs> but hey, that's just... And so, Hal... <laughs> Hal 9000, is that a Space Odyssey? Is that what that is? Yes, it's a Space... I have never seen Space Odyssey. I don't know if I ever will, but I know this reference about Dave, Hal and, like, right? Dave. Yeah. And they've done... They've done at least two references to Space Odyssey here and in My Girl Hallie. Yeah, and it's 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 so creepy thinking of the the part in My Girl Hallie where she's dying at the end and she's saying I can like my mind is going I can feel it. And uh-huh. here it's a lot um it's a lot more subtle and it's it's, it's funny, creepy where yes. she goes up and she's like mirror is my like mirror mirror on the wall. Isn't my dad the greatest of all? That's what he wants you to think. <laughs> And he's like he's brainwashing you. Your mind is going. It's it's so good. It's really it's really it's good. it's really good. Yeah. So then she's like, oh whatever. I I need to run away to the Amazon rainforest where it's dark and stuff. The deep dark Amazon rainforest. Was the narrator says I think. And so then you have the guy from the hardware store. He's like, oh we have a sale on flashlights. How about a handheld generator? A match as whoever. a match. Yeah. That was a little random, but it's also it's also funny. It's so. kind of like she's just leaving and not paying any attention to the the sales clerk, it's which like, I think is kind of funny. Picks up the sales clerk, spikes him over the over the counter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get down. What? <laughs> I, I, I'm just trying to think of the rest of the references to see what else works here. We'll find it eventually. Pop were, it in later. Were uh, the matchsticks stale? <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm so confused. Um, so, so she goes the generator down. juice. It's dripping up my leg. <laughs> no, no, that's no, okay. no, generator no, juice. Okay. You mean gas? Yes, it's it's called <laughs> generator juice. Yeah, come on. <laughs> uh, so, she goes down to the Amazon rainforest where there are sloths, Australian Aborigines, and so wait, hold, what? Are there Australian <laughs> Aborigines in the Amazon? Um, is that what? Is that I how this works? I don't know. I don't know how that works. No. I guess it's, it's just the braid of an eight-year-old, so it's fine. <laughs> and Amazon.coms, too. Yes. Yeah. That joke aged very well. Well, I mean, it's this was 2000, right? This was... Right. Yeah, so and they made like that joke back then. The nice job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Odyssey ahead of its time. Oh, Odyssey is a profit. Novacom? Amazon.com? <laughs> Odyssey com? is a profit. Yeah, see? Okay. Ooh, ooh. But everyone Congrats. never got You're it. You're a profit. Sad but true. And if you watch them, you could spot it. Doodly-doo. This is the point where I, I wrote down in my notes, like, random stuff is happening. All these jokes are really funny, but they're still a cohesive plot. Like, they bring up 
the Australian Aborigines, and then the next little bit is them doing the didgeridoo of Beware of the Seven Deadly Dwarves, which is kind of really creepy. I imagine she's just walking <laughs> through the Amazon, and they're just, like, following her and, like, crowding around her, like, singing, yelling at her. <laughs> I just kind of imagine them sitting in the trees playing their didgeridoos uh-huh. as she walks by. I keep thinking of the DreamWorks version of Mr. Peabody and Sherman with the didgeridoo where he's playing all the instruments. Oh, yeah. I remember that. That yeah. was a That was a time. That was time. Anyway, that time travel is weird. So after, <laughs> so again, after a while, she comes to the cottage cheese house, and then she goes in. She looks around, and she's, and then she yawns in pretty much exactly the same way she did before, which is why I was like, oh, that's the three, the third time you yawned in this episode. Fun. What if we made an edit where she yawns, and then it does the echo thing, and she falls into another dream? Ah. That's just dreamception. <laughs> The seven deadly dwarfceptions. I don't know. That she falls into her Bethany's flood dream from here. Oh, I'll do that. I, I'll edit that sometime. Beautiful. Somebody in the comments, yell at me to do it if I haven't posted it by <laughs> a week from now. Anyway, uh, so then, and then as, she lies down on a bed of lettuce, which is a beautiful pun. Bravo. Yeah, nice job. As the pun, as the oh, Ryan's not here. Uh, if he were here, he would say good pun. He would. Uh, he would. What would Ryan would have done? I don't know. Uh, so. Just say the next little bit, the narrator said, and then she was fast asleep or something, and then she's snoring, and that's that's Rob Jorgensen snoring. It has to be. <laughs> like, that is not, or Will no, Ryan snoring. No, it's definitely Bethany's <laughs> A grown man snore. <laughs> yeah. Wait, was, was Bethany's actress that unable to snore that they had to get? I the sound think designer maybe it? they just put in, like, wouldn't it be funny if we just did a male snoring here? <laughs> And nobody will notice year 21 years later. Hey, we well, noticed. See, that's the joke is that yeah. everyone notices. <laughs> this is just a really bad female snore. <laughs> so then right after this, the evil, creepy, seven deadly dwarves walk up and they're doing the high hose and they're like, oh, an intruder. <laughs> so fun fact, always, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I haven't seen the original Snow White and the seven dwarves and I need to. Really? That's a good Disney Plus to pull up tonight if I have any time, which I probably don't. I've heard the song. Uh-huh. Who hasn't? And, and it's not this tone. And young me just had a weird time. Like, why are they singing the wrong tone? And oh. then I grew up and learned about copyright infringement. Oh, really? Okay, okay. And Whereas, so it all makes sense. Yeah. And I, as a person who never saw the original, maybe saw it once and heard this episode a bunch of times, I was like, yeah, that's how the song goes, right? No, no, I guess not. Hi ho is the same though, right? I mean, the words are okay. Yes. Sure. The, the, the words, words are hi ho. So then they come into the cottage and she's like, "Oh, who who are you?" And they're like, "Oh, we're we're the owners." And then they give all their names and they all say them in like the tone that you would imagine them to be saying them in. Anger is angry. Covetousness is covet covetous. Yeah, <laughs> covetousness. And, lu- <laughs> and lust is like lust, which I was like, okay. Did you? And sloth is like sloth. <laughs> sloth. And then um, they ask her, or they find out she's Snowed at White, the, the king's daughter, and they immediately jump to, oh, you must be starved. Here, do you do you want anything to eat? She's like, oh, yeah, I'm starved. And then Gluttony's like, me too. <laughs> Just give me the apple. Good job. Yeah. And so she takes a bite of the apple, and it's like this weird – it's like she's chewing a, like she's chewing gum or something like that. It It's really I – mean, this might be it must be a really moist apple. Here, I don't know. I guess so. Yeah. Like, it's got all that sin in it, and you gotta know sin is the moistest compound known to man. Isn't it? 
Oh, I don't know. I don't. Is that know. a reference? I, to <laughs> no, I was. Yeah, it was just me riffing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to come back from that. Um, so, <laughs> so she takes a bite of it, and then she's like, "Oh, I feel so weird." And then one of the dwarves is like, "You're waking up. That's what." Which parallel to Garden of Eden and the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah. Oh, okay. And then she immediately goes on to like. Uh, or they say, you should be the queen and instead of the king. And then she's like, yeah, I think so. Liberty, equality, fraternity, down with the king. <laughs> Long live the queen. <laughs> and then, what what is the anthem that they do? Is that like the French national anthem or something? I, that they sing? Yes, I think it is. Is that it? I thought it was the... It's something like that. I thought it was the Canada national anthem. I looked at it, I was like, oh no, that's so Canada. That's that's not that. I think that is French. Uh-huh. I'm not sure. Well, liberty, equality, fraternity was the slogan of the French Revolution, wasn't it? It was. Oh, know. see, I kind of know history. Anyway, so, so I, think, they, I, I feel like I want to look this up just to make sure I'm not just going along with, wait, no, it was something from Europe. I, I, I mean, <laughs> well, but French not is Europe. the French Revolution. <laughs> Probably it was something from Europe. Um but then they, then she asks, so who are you all again? And then they introduce themselves like seven deadly dwarves. And then they all laugh. And then she's like, who? <laughs> Which that's a ties that bind. No, ties. Well, they did that in the ties that bind with when Wooten says, no, Eugene Meltzer. And then Hadley's like, who? Who? <laughs> <laughs> again, ahead of its time. I, I just want to like slap Bethany like, hey, <laughs> you heard about the seven deadly dwarves from your father right before this dream. <laughs> Did she? Did he though? Did he? Did he tell her about well, them? Or I mean, I mean, he he named all of the deaths of all the seven. Oh, the se- oh, you said dwarves, didn't you? Just a oh, oh ago? I guess he didn't say that. He didn't dwarves, say dwarves. He but, talked about the sins. But she, upon hearing the names of the dwarves, you, <laughs> that should oh, send off right. some warning signals in your brain, right? right well, maybe? well, I have an idea about. You know about the storyteller theory, right? Well, I mean, you came up with the storyteller theory. And I mean, you I did, it to yeah, me. yeah, yeah. And so, I, yeah. I, I don't need to hear about it. No, I mean, no, <laughs> So, well, no, I figured out how this connects to the storyteller theory if you want to hear about it. Yes. Um, but anyway, uh, I'll, I'll bring it up at the end. But basically right here, I, my posit is that she's not in control of her dream because that she's not a storyteller. Sense. She is the storyteller. But her character in no. the story is not the storyteller. No, she's oh, she's right, not the right, storyteller. Wait, the na- so wait, who is the narrator? It's Where does dream. he come it's from? It's still her conscious. It's still her consciousness. She's still dreaming this. She's not <laughs> able to storytell because at the end she gets out of the out of the the minivan or the car or something, and she tries to retell the story and she fails. And then she tries in Bethany's flood and she fails. Like both times she has a dream that's ridiculous, and then she tries to tell her her, her parents the story of the dream, and they're like they they don't understand it because she's not a, a storyteller. That's just not the way that works. Whereas Aubrey, and- when she's narrating through her journal, immediately pulls the audience into the story. Like, that's so, how good of a storyteller she is. And that's why Blackguard went after her, because he knew she was a storyteller. So, is Bethany... Does have Bethany have power, but only in her dreams? I think everyone does. At least people do, generally, in Odyssey. Like, as people who dream. And it's only those who can. Like, Wit is the master storyteller. Maury's also a storyteller. Um, he's just never told a story before. Um, oh, I don't want to hear his stories. <laughs> you will. Final no. problem, right? No! <laughs> anyway, moving on. Yeah. So this is where we get the joke for the one for the price of two double A's. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then, and then uh, the king goes up to the, the mirror. He's like, mirror, mirror, burning bright. Where can I find Snow Dew White? And then Hal says, I'm sorry, Dave. And what I can't tell you. <laughs> he's, he's like, the name's king. Oh, then the name's king. And if you don't, I'll smash you into a million pieces. On second thought, 
She's in the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> That's better. Amazon rainforest. It's so good. It's such good pacing. Yeah. And then so he, he he's putzing around looking for the ladder, and then he like everything crashes down on him again because Where's again the closet step the, clo- the closet is dirty or the closet is messy. We established that at the beginning before before the dream. Remember? Yes. That's why and, he and keeps having problems with it. He keeps it keeps crashing down, and it's like. It's it may even funnier by the fact that if he found the stepladder the first time, he doesn't need to again. Yeah. Which makes it all the more hilarious. <laughs> like it just keeps happening. It's like that stuff in old Disney cartoons where you'll have like the old classic animation and then there'll be something that happens or a big crash that happens and then the characters will be picking themselves up like, Well, that was unfortunate. Um I don't know, that's just what I'm thinking. Yes. But then then he puts on a disguise as what a handyman. <laughs> he says, "Oh shucks," and <laughs> the, the mirror says, "Nice hat." Approving. Thanks. Is <laughs> like, Amazon rainforest here I come? Then he trips. <laughs> and then next, what I love about once he arrives, yeah, is and I noticed this this time because I had the audio turned all the way up. There's cottage cheese sound effects yes. for every time the house gets touched in any uh-huh. way. He knocks on the door and it makes this like this wiggly <laughs> gross sound. And then every footstep is accompanied with a slosh. <laughs> it's so good. It's so yes. good. The sound design is appropriately humorous in this episode. It's not realistic and that's good. That's awesome. But so And so, not only like the sound effects, but the music too. Like yeah. they they have such a wide range of music in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what makes this episode a hit for me. Whereas other Bethany episodes are just, eh. but <laughs> like, let's see, they've got in the narrative setup, there's like the noble trumpet music that's going behind, like talking about the King and about Snow to white. Yeah. And then they move on to having the Australian Amazon Aborigines. rainforest, whatever music. Yeah. And then they also have uh like this swelling foreboding music with the dwarves it's just it covers such a wide range and that's what makes it feel like it's an actual story and not just uh, a quirky tale you know Mm -hmm. yeah i've been listening to pause and tales a lot lately with austin peachy and oh that's a spoiler never mind i'm gonna leave that in uh but we've been (laughs) talking about well actually it's not like i have you haven't lee but i have um Uh, (laughs) i think i don't think i've heard all the episodes but i've heard one maybe uh well anyway i've been listening to that with him and uh john campbell is one of the composers for uh for like the original pause and tales and a lot of his style is basically the same for for most of it and but in there it's kind of like okay i know his style i know what he sounds like here there's so much it's so fast-paced and there's so much going on that it's easy for me to like pick out the different uh types of music that he's doing so it's it's kind of fun yeah uh but anyway he gets there and he, he they ask him like uh what kind of handyman or uh he says uh what large curd or small for cottage cheese like you're You're hired hired. yeah (laughs) and then it's funny because there's there's a sound effects and then all of a sudden all the sound effects stop and it's just the narration and then it says then he noticed snow dewey and then it comes like right back in on the same sound effects and then Uh he starts to say my tootsie and and the uh, the original (laughs) like his my tootsie tootsie (laughs) yeah jellyfish voice uh, and then changes back to the changes back to the king voice. Yes. So it's then, perfect. so then the dwarves are like, "No, no, you can't take her because she she ate the poison apple." So then we have interesting penal substitution theory for like Jesus' death on the cross. I'm I'm guessing a little bit of that. Basically, yeah. sort of. Okay, it's, you, it's like 
as simple as it can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. There has to be some yeah. uh, some like bondage some, to this apple. There, there has to be a sacrifice for the wrongdoing, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even know what the dwarves' motivation are in in this, or mo- motivation is in this episode. But they're like, yeah, somebody I has mean, has to. I mean, so they're evil. They just have to be evil. That's that's true. Like that's their whole character. Arc, and right? and they do the most evil thing you can imagine: poke around. I know. A tide of yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so random. I like going, will die before I listen to one more polka. Polka. <laughs> okay, we still don't have a winner on the. Okay, and I was thinking in terms of the three act structure, it starts off where the uh, conflict is being built up about Snow Delight and about the mirror, and the mirror is the inciting action. And then she gets to the Amazon, the second act, and things start to happen, and she's enslaved by the dwarves. And then the third act, her dad comes to save her. It's really fast, but it, there's a three-act structure in there. I thought, that's so cool. That's so weird why that's in there, you know? I mean, it's perfect. If you're going to yeah. do training for new writers to true, true. like just figure out what they're doing, what a great exercise to say, hey, get through three acts and in like nine minutes. Yeah, well, also with Jim Ware, I've... I've read a couple other of his books. He d- he wrote a kid series that I or like a book of a kid series that I read a while ago that was really dark. And comparing that to Bethany's Flood, I thought, okay, what are you, what are you doing? Um, but <laughs> I, d- I don't know a lot about his writing. I'm not sure if he was an experienced writer by this point or if they were just um, uh-huh. trying on different writers who weren't necessarily novices. But yeah, that that would be fair. Like to have this little 10, 10 minute block of how many pages is that even? Like that's what twenty pages, maybe not For- even. For nine minutes? Yeah. Um, maybe I less than I guess it 10. depends. Less than 20. I think, isn't it a page a minute? Well, for me, it's 45 pages to 25 minutes. So, okay. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, but maybe I just have I guess it, it depends on what font and everything you're doing. So, mm-hmm. uh, 12 point, I think, is what I do. Uh, okay. but, but she, so Snow is apologizing. And with everything she says, she's, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry for trusting the mirror. I shouldn't have run away. Will you forgive me? And with each of those, you can hear the sound effects of the, the ropes and the, like the, the shackles falling off the king. And then he's like, I'm free. And yes, yes, I do forgive you. And all the dwarves or one of the dwarves is like, wow, wow that must've been cheap ropes. And he says, no, whoa, whoa, not whoa. cheap ropes. No, no, <laughs> yes. no. And then no, no. <laughs> then he starts quoting scripture. Is that, what what is that? Is that um is that First Corinthians thirteen? Probably. Yes. Yeah, and which is something we didn't get in Bethany's flood. Did we get any scripture in Bethany's flood? I'm not sure. I didn't make it through the full episode before oh. listening to this of Bethany's flood. Did you I listen to all of Seven Dwarfs? Oh, did you make it through? Did you listen to Bethany's flood? I mean, I listened to it right before oh. this, but just not the whole thing. Uh, uh, it's yeah. been a while since I heard the whole. Okay, thing. okay. I, made, I thought you like you would listen to this one, and then you went back and listened to Bethany's flood. I was like, why? Whatever, it's fine. Uh, I just wanted it for contrast because sure, they're both sure. dream episodes. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, but here he quotes scripture, and there were so many things when I was younger. That I, w- I was picking up on. I thought, okay, so that's kind of a moral. That's a moral, too. And this is when I was 12 or, I think, uh-huh. what, 10 or 11 when I first was he- hearing these episodes. And I was pulling out all these different morals. And it's it's kind of – it's interesting. Along with the final act of him defeating the dwarves and whenever he quotes the passage about love, love is not this, not this. And kind of tying it in to what the seven deadly sins specifically in he calling out each of them and then having them melt into the cheese, which is – what I'm imagining happening, they just like sink oh, down okay. to the floor. I you know? imagine them falling flat on their face, personally, because it uh, oh. sounds like they just plop into it. You know? Oh yeah. And d- then do they like melt or or what happens? 
I just imagine they fainted slash passed out. Ah, okay. I thought they disappeared because, like, if they passed out, are they just, like, what, neutralized or are they actually defeated? I mean, technically, Sin doesn't get defeated. That's true. Like, from a you'll never come back ever again standpoint. Well, then again, she does live happily ever after. So, so. I don't know. Maybe Bethany does die here, and that's what the happily ever after is. (laughs) She dies. (laughs) The dream ends. Just like Bethany's flood, where they all die at the end. Yes. That is actually the ending of Bethany's flood. It's canon. (laughs) It has to deal with it. But then, yeah, the king says, or like, she says, Daddy, you did it. You defeated the dwarves or whatever. And he says, yeah, because uh, love covers a multitude of sins. And so what is the moral statement that's being made here? Or, like, what is the, the point of that? Is that that's, that's true, right? Um, that saying? I mean, it's, it's in the Bible. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where is that from in the Bible? What What is that passage? I, I will Google it. I will Because also, I don't... I love covers a multitude of sins. Is First Peter 4, 8. Okay. Which says, um, Above all, love one another, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Oh, but... So that's not the context. The context here is, like, she has sinned, and there's somebody else that has to take her place, and because of that, that love covers the multitude of sins. But the context of First Peter is more along the lines of if if you're, if there are, like, if you do have a sinful history, then the love you show to somebody else, or if somebody else has a sinful history, the love you show to them will cover that, those sins? Is that is that what that verse is talking about? I think something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like it is calling all the Christians, like saying, "Hey, make sure that you love others." And I don't think that it's saying you'll cover their sins. It's saying you'll cover yours. Which oh, okay. I I don't. I've always been confused by that verse because it's like, well, Jesus already covered all of our sin. But I guess from like a from the perspective is not you're doing this to cover your sins. It's more you're doing this and this is how good it is. It's so good to love others that it's equivalent to that. It's mm-hmm. not the reason you do that. It's just that's how beneficial yeah. it is. That's one of the benefits of love, that when when you love others, then that covers for, like, that covers for their sin or that covers for your sin. Or, like, sin it's, doesn't have – there is no sin in love. I think it's There's supposed no to – well, you know, I think what Peter's trying to say is basically that – it's not that like for example yeah we know that you couldn't just love others and as a result get into heaven because you've covered all your sin over with love right no right yeah that that specific act of love doesn't do that right 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 but i I think what he is saying is that it essentially is equivalent love is so good that it is equivalent in benefit or in value mm-hmm. to covering of our multitude of sins i don't know i'm trying to try to work this out in real time in my brain did i just had the context up let me pull that back up because first peter if he's talking about church relations what is the what is the verse for eight right so the end of yeah. all things is near therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer above all keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins be hospitable to one another without complaint as each one has received a special gift, and then he goes on to talk about that. So I, he, I think he is talking about, um, yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's okay that it's brought up in this context for this episode. It's a little bit 
was a little bit out of place, but it's it's fine. A little bit of reaching out of context, but it's fine. We're good. It's, it's okay. It's fine. It's an eight minute episode. Like it's not. Then I'm ready to wrap large, up. Sweeping <laughs> theological claims, probably. <laughs> so you ready to wrap this thing up? Yeah. So Bethany wakes up from her dream right at the happily ever after. Which when does that ever happen in your dreams? I always get interrupted in the middle of the second act. It's ridiculous. Right. I know. It's terrible. Uh. I never get to finish my dreams. Well, sometimes I do. Sometimes I do when I get to sleep in and then I wake up and I've slept for 14 hours. Like, actually. I feel like the dreams that I actually get to finish are the really bad ones. Where you die at the end? Where, well, either uh. I die or or in the dream, I've committed some heinous act against my closest friends yeah, or loved ones. Yeah, what is that? What is that? And I'll then I wake up. where I've, like, had arguments with my mom and I'll be like, no, I'm so sorry. I'll wake up in tears. And I'm like, oh, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't say that dumb thing. I know, or right? do that dumb thing. Uh, I would have ruined my life if that hadn't happened in a dream. <laughs> um, but anyway, Eugene is here because Will Ryan is here. And like, we need more Eugene, right? Right? Yeah. All the time? Yeah. Of course. All the so time. So then Bethany summarizes her dream and she ends with love covers a pulchritude of sin. Pulchritude, I think she says. Pulchritude? Mo- where's the R? I'm not. What? That's what I heard. Pulchritude. Well, um, pulchritude means beauty. What? It's a word. I'm sorry, spell that. P-U-L-C-R-I, or, or C-H-R-I-T-U-D-E. What? What it? Huh? <laughs> what it? Oh. Uh. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I think Bethany uh. says polkatude, and then her mother Mom says polkatude. That's the only time the word polkatude has ever been uttered in the history of Adventures in Odyssey. Uh. And then in the history of the world, let's be honest. <laughs> it's just a word that sat in the dictionary waiting for this moment. <laughs> if they didn't say it before, they were just like, oh, and this person is going to write, the, or Jim Ware is going to write the word, you know, this word. And they write it out like that word. Yeah, yeah, like that one, that one. And then he finally uses it. <laughs> anyway, so um, there's a really weird line at the end where she, she tells her dream. And then um, her mom says, I think you might be a little confused. And. Aubrey says, well, she got the whole thing completely wrong. And Eugene says, well, depending on how you look at it, she maybe she got the whole thing completely right. Which, Which yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, like, I... I This is this is the one part of the episode that I'm like, okay, whatever. And, oh. eh, because it's like Eugene, from hearing exactly that, would not say that. So <laughs> He'd be he, like, what in the world, you little child? Here's the thing. Have we ever heard Eugene tell a story? Uh, yes. He tells his side of the story in, what's it, when they go to get the socks? Oh, uh, him and Connie, Broken he does. Dangerous. Yeah, so by that time, but that's like several albums in the future and after he's got his memory back. So, um, before then, does he ever tell a story? Because I'm wondering. <sighs> he probably does, and I'm just missing it. Um, but here the question i have is that maybe something he's saying is that bethany is training to be a storyteller (laughs) and so she doesn't realize she is but she's trying and so he's like yeah that was your story that you were trying to tell you got all that right you just need to work on actually creating this virtual reality that you pull your listeners into to to experience the story with you you need to hone your gift little prophet right when and aubrey doesn't understand what it is because she's just had this gift the whole time so that's why she says, well, Bethany just got the whole thing completely wrong. <gasps> Maybe so. Maybe. Maybe so. Anyway, then Chris says, well, that's uh, like, it's great that Bethany's excited or something because now she knows how it feels to be loved by her father in heaven. Which, what? <laughs> Did that actually happen? <gasps> sort of. I guess like she, 
was shown love in her dream by the king that was similar to that of God. And then that translated because she said that God's love or that love covers covers a pulchritude of sins. (laughs) But that wasn't even reference to God's love, though, right? That was for brother. Exactly. It was it was. Well, well, wait, penal substitution. I don't know. Part of it. Well, the verse is talking about um, relations between uh, your. It says your love for one another, right? So maybe it does. It probably does apply to God's love for us too, uh, and possibly in some circumstances. I'm just saying, if we're being properly exegetical, then we have to understand the proper context. So maybe, yeah. Going a lot. We're dig- we're delving deep here. <laughs> yes. I'm still just trying to, like, root this out. Because, like, the more I think about it, the more the moral doesn't really make any sense. It doesn't make sense that Bethany saying, I'm sorry, um, will you forgive me for being garbage, would <laughs> save the king? And almost makes more sense if the king is just, like, his, his ropes are breaking because this is, like, Jesus rising from the dead. And it's just happening at the oh. same time as Bethany apologizing. Yeah, I thought and about then that. Yeah. He accepts that apology. Then no, it, that can't that be because his he love said, covers her sin. N- no, because he, he says the what, doesn't he say that they weren't cheap ropes? It was it was love or like her her love. But wasn't that is it? he saying the that? It, did he did he say that it was her love? I want to go back and hear this now. Let me let me find that clip and see what he actually says. Just a second. Oh, okay. So she's saying that... Go ahead. Oh, okay. So he after the dwarves are vanquished, he's like, it's all because love covers a multitude of sins. And then before, when he's being unbound... Hold on a second. Ah. Love, which is stronger than betrayal, is a line that he says is one of the reasons why the, the ropes were broken. So, yeah. Um, I would have questions, but I also don't think we did it well too much on this one point here at the end. What'd you say? Uh, did you hear me okay? Uh, no. Say it again. Sorry. I was saying... I I still have questions, but I don't think we need to dwell too much on this one thing that's here at the end. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not huge and like Yeah, I get honestly, it. Chris has had worse wrap ups. Like this is pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well yeah. also I think Bethany can fill in the blanks and recognize that God loves her in the same way that the king loved her and gave himself up for her. And and so split episodes are endemically often, like endemically plagued with certain problems and i think spiritual emphasis is one of those problems and Mm -hmm. it's just that this was uh, a split episode so yeah it's it's gonna have bugs but in general um it was pretty good for a split episode and as far as an episode goes it it was you know i probably wouldn't pick this up and listen to it just randomly but well it's not long i maybe (laughs) maybe i would if i really thought about it i need to listen to more odyssey lately i've kind of been kind of been out of the loop um but anyway any (laughs) any other thoughts overall on this one you know, it was a really good episode. Honestly, I think I probably, and I probably have just picked it up and listened to it randomly oh, okay. because it's one of those fun ones. I think at one point I listened to it and I had just like this preconceived notion like, oh, this is a split episode and it's a Bethany episode. It's probably not good. Like, I remember it being kind of funny, but I listened to it when I was 12. I probably won't. Oh, wow. It's good. <laughs> like, that's that's a very pleasant thing at the ripe age of 24 19 that you want to hear you're not you know, like 20. Oh, yeah, you're not oh, 20 right. oh. <laughs> at the ripe that's a great thing here at the ripe age of 19 uh that you uh see here, here's the thing you, you can cut this out later uh, but i'm just <laughs> substituting a bunch of canon lee memories in this review <laughs> <laughs> like, congrats, Have you already Lee, done this? this is your history now. 
<laughs> and it's fine because Lee is a fictional character, so yes. we're we're good. We're we're cool about this. Who's also me, and yeah. and me. Yeah. So yeah, and me. And I'm Lee now. No. <laughs> anyway, this at the Red Bench of nineteen. That's a great thing to know. Yeah. yeah. That these episodes sometimes are episodes you listen to and you're like, well, that was really great, and then you grow up listening to it and you're like, no, it wasn't. But this one wasn't one of those. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. There's plenty of great puns, as Ryan would be really happy to hear if he were here. That's true. And uh, there's plenty of great jokes, and they don't detract or just kind of distract. They don't feel out of place at all. Mm -hmm. They just just feel unique and fun, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. I I went back to the AI wiki when I was looking up info on this, and I realized that my previous rating for the episode was 25%. I thought, what? Bump that up to 75. That wasn't that bad. (laughs) Bring it up, Michael. I got it. I got it. Uh, but anyway, I don't think I don't think I have any more any more to say about this. Um, I'm set. Yeah. Apologies for not having a review in a while. Stuff has been uh, honestly terrible, but I've been getting I've been getting through it, and uh, and it's working out. It's working out all right. Lee, we need to sit down and have a long conversation about what's been going on. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we'll do it. Anyway, in the meantime, Lee, thanks for coming back on the podcast, and I guess I will. Talk to you next April Fools. How about that? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'll return to the Aether now. <laughs> Bye. All right. You're listening to AIO April Fools. T.